Christmas parties can be so much fun if you have them at the right place. Where's your company Christmas party this year? Or your family Christmas party for that matter? It ought to be at the same place where folks have been having birthday parties, weddings, baby showers, even Thanksgiving dinner at the Banquet Room at the Sayre Golf Course. It's a really nice facility, and it's reasonably priced. If you need a nice place for a nice event, use the Sayre Golf Course Banquet Room. Four. Now to the actual golf part of the Sayre Golf Course. There's still time to get 9 or 18 holes in. The question is, can you actually find the fairway? Swinging away and just hoping for the best leads to triple-digit scores. If you want to test your ability to make golf shots, come over to Sayre. The layout of this course requires precision. Do you have that club, that secret weapon in your bag? It's technically called the Sayre Golf Course. Locals just call it Sayre National. It's in the city park on the south side of town. Throw balls far. You want good words? Data language. Talk real sports with a real man. Come after me. I'm a man. I'm 40. And now here's the be-all, end-all, know-it-all of high school, college, and pro sports. Aaron Skinny Cow with the Skinny on Sports. We're talking about practice, man. I'm the MVP. And a good uh, Monday morning to you out there, Western Oklahoma. Welcome to the Skinny on Sports. On location again here at Mont uh, Sayre Golf Course, or Sayre National, as the locals call it, looking out the window toward uh, the golf course back to the south. Uh, man, it, it is fall. You can tell with the, the beautiful colors on the trees while those leaves hang around for another few days before, unfortunately, maybe the weekend. Everything looks a little bit different uh, for next Monday after the cold that's supposed to be coming through. But right now, uh, man, what a gorgeous morning. There's already people out on the golf course uh, playing a little, uh, playing around the golf on a Monday morning. So uh, come on out and enjoy uh, what is uh, the whole package of the, the golf course. Also, we're inside here, inside the clubhouse. It's uh, basically a sports bar in here with all the big TVs. You've got the drinks. Uh, there's a food special, a lunch special we'll tell you about. Uh, it involves a hot dog, a, a drink, not an alcoholic drink, just a soda or water, uh, and also some chips uh, for $5 there. And, and, of course, it's Monday night, Monday night football. If you're looking for a place to watch the game, right here at the Sayre Golf Course is the perfect spot. And then also, uh, we're, we're in the bar area, but in the back, uh, there's a, a, basically a banquet room. Be perfect, a perfect spot uh, for your Christmas party. Uh, so uh, get in contact with them out here at the golf course if that's something you're looking to do because, man, they do it all. Uh, we, I've been here to multiple functions. Uh, everything works really well as far as the way it's separated and everything. It flows really nice when it's warm. The patio out back is covered. So if, even if it were to start raining, you're still in good shape there. And quite frankly, because of the way the building is uh, north of or the, the, the patio is off the south side, even in the winter if it's not too freezing cold, the wind's blocked. There's heaters out there. It's not a bad place to sit and hang out, uh, even even when it's a little bit cooler outside. So I will tell you all about uh, what's going on over here at Sayre throughout the show. Uh, coming up, we'll, uh, high school football, uh, top of mind, with playoff brackets out. Regular season is over, uh, so everything gets for real uh, this week. Uh, we got a couple of our the schools that we cover and uh, some others in, in the area uh, that will be participating in those playoffs. So we'll talk about that. Also, Programming note coming up on Thursday, 
we'll hit the uh, high school football playoffs hard from from all classes. Mark Rogers will be on with us 9:30 on Thursday. Uh, so I know Mark is plugged into the high school football scene, uh, getting back into calling some games actually. So he, he's seen some teams that maybe we haven't and have a, a different perspective uh, throughout the state of Oklahoma as far as the high school football playoffs that are starting. So we'll hit that. We'll hit some college football. And, of course, it's Monday. And so our man Jim Traber will be here uh, at 930. I'm sure he's got thoughts on the state schools, what happened around the country in college football, the NFL, and much, much more uh, coming out of, uh, of Jim's thoughts out of his brain here at 930. So that's what we got. 225-9698 is the phone of the text line. 225-9698. Give us a call. Shoot us a text. We can talk about any of those things, whatever else might be on your mind. Feel free to chime right in at 225-9698. If you're going to be outside the listening area one of these days and you want to stay in touch with the show live, you can do that. Uh, K-A-D-S-A-M.com or download the Paragon Communications app. The app is awesome. <clears throat> it's got it all. It's got three radio stations. It's got the Penny News. Big Elk TV and Paragon TV, so live streaming of football and also basketball that started for the small schools. Really crank up on Tuesday, uh, Tuesdays and Fridays coming up here before the uh, Christmas break. And then the Skinny on Sports podcast. If you missed the show entirely, you can go back and check us out online, kadsam.com or iTunes. Hello, Jared. Good morning. How are you doing? I'm good. <clears throat> it's a beautiful day out here at Sarah National. Boy, it is a beautiful day. I'd say, you know, the wind's not blowing. The wind little, isn't blowing. I mean, it's a little, little. Bre- I mean, it's blowing for Western Oklahoma. It's not incredibly crazy. It's beautiful out. Very beautiful. The, had a little crisp. Yeah, had a little crisp this morning. I was telling you when I left the house, had a light jacket on. I've already shedded that. It's saying about fifty. Yeah, 51 headed to 65. But it feels warmer. Yeah, we're all well on our way to a pretty, pretty fall day out here in Sayre. In colors, you look out there, the yeah. colors look like fall. Beautiful. Yeah, and here's the thing. Enjoy it. Today, tomorrow, Wednesday. Call in sick. Enjoy and it. And Thursday, because come Friday, oh, it's going to be time. The first part of the week, you enjoy the outside part of the Sayre Golf Course. The, the, the end of the week and the weekend, you started enjoying the inside part of the of the golf course to be able to watch the games in here where it's nice and toasty. Um, man, we, we talked about the Elks on Friday because of obviously the Thursday night game finished up the regular season uh, with a win. We knew uh, Newcastle was the opponent uh, for Elk City, but now we after Friday's games were finished, there weren't a ton, but there were a couple. We know exactly where everybody ended up in the district who's – uh, facing who in the playoffs, and um, I'll start in 4A uh, with Elk City and Newcastle. That'll be a seven o'clock game at Big Elk Stadium on Friday night. The the, the rest of the of District One shook out like this. Elk City was first. Clinton ended up second as they uh, got the win that they needed over Woodward by as many points as they needed it to be. So Clinton ends up second. They will host Bethany at the Tornado Bowl on Friday night. That's a 7 o'clock game as well. So Clinton finished in second, pushed Weatherford down to third. Weatherford will get Blanchard, so the number three team out of District 1 against the number two team out of District 2. Uh, Blanchard fell to second uh, after uh, Bethany held on, but by only one point against Newcastle. That gave Tuttle the district championship. So you got Blanchard and, and Weatherford, and then Tuttle and Chickasha will be the final game after Chickasha came back from 22-0 deficit early in that game against Cash on Thursday. Tuttle uh, ends up winning the district, winning District uh, 2. So Tuttle and Chickasha will be at Tuttle Friday at 7 o'clock. And then one other score that 
at least early on in the playoffs might affect what what could happen down the line for Elk City. On Saturday, Ada beat Broken Bow, which pushed Hildell to second instead of winning the district. It, it looked like Poto was going to be the, the possible second-round matchup out of District 4 for the Elks. Instead, with Ada beating Broken Bow, that pushed Poto down to second, up to, up to first. Hildell ends up, <clears throat> excuse me, as a second-place team in District 4. So that would be Hildell and Tulsa McLean play winner that plays the Elk City Newcastle winner. So that's just kind of a, a light wrap-up of what happened on Friday and then how everything else, uh, kind of how everything else shook out. When you look at the bracket, what are <clears throat> a couple of games maybe that, that really kind of catch your eye? Um, first, outside of obviously the attention that we're going to give in Oak City and the rest of 4A1, how about Wagner Ada? That one looks like a lot of fun at Wagner. And Ada's quietly had a nice season this year. Um, I could see that one being really, really fun. Um, the others, though, look kind of clear-cut. Maybe, I, I don't know anything about Hildale or Tulsa McLean, but we're obviously going to keep our eyes on that one as uh, Elk City broadcasters uh, because that determines um, if Elk City is fortunate enough to win on Friday night, that determines who could be coming uh, to town for the quarters. So those are a couple games I'm going to keep my eye on. How about you? Yeah, Tulsa McLean's an interesting story. If you don't know what happened early on, early on in the season, as the game was finishing up, there was a shooting right outside of their stadium. So right. they've been on the road ever since. Really? I did not know. They've, they've, been, they've had to go on different road trips because of, of what, what occurred there. And so for that them, an OSSA saying I think it was more of the, the school. school was like, we're not having games here. I until think it was more of the school. Let's calm down. Wow. And so they ended up winning their last two over Skyatook and Ulagaw to, to make it into the playoffs. So that's kind of a, a pretty neat story there uh, for Tulsa McLean uh, to be able to get into the playoffs with all the, with everything that was going on around that team. Uh, there uh, with the with, with the violence on the campus and whatnot. Yeah, Ada Ada Wagner obviously jumps off the page just because of those names. I mean that that mm -hmm. could that could have been a, a state title game for a bunch of different years. You know, all through out the last what thirty years or what have you. I'm interested in the <clears throat> just locally. Obviously, the Elks. I, I think I think there's a perception around the state that four A two is the most dominant district in the, in the, in 4A. You see it in the rankings, right. all statewide polls. Uh, those four teams that made the playoffs have been consistently in the rankings. I think you see it at least in the Oklahomans poll with the love that some of those teams have gotten. Uh, they don't necessarily get in, in maybe the Tulsa world or the AP. There's a, there's a, I think there's a belief there that 4A2 is, outside of Cushing, the, the next best thing. And you know what? If, if you're a team in 4A1, you've got a chance to dispel that coming up on Friday. So I, I think you're going to see uh, when you start looking at project, pro, pro, projections and predictions, at least for the first round games, I, I mean, I, I think you're going to see those projections or predictions more 0 and 4 than 2 and 2. If you're, yeah, if you're one I've of seen the, it already. on the 4A1 side. Yeah, I've seen it already. Um, a lot of people leaning 4A2. And, yes, even Newcastle over Elk City. It's because of that perception of how that district was so tough that all four of those teams had a, had opportunities to be the district champion 
shoot well into the season, like week eight, week nine, even week ten, if scenarios have played out. So there's going to be that perception that, okay, well, then naturally that's just the better team or the better district, and they're going to give all these other 4A1 teams um, tough games and, and probably beat them or they think should beat them. But I, I wouldn't – I'm not counting out Weatherford. You know, I mean, they got the skill set that that sophomore class we've spoke of. We've seen it. They played Elk City very tough. They beat Clinton by twenty. They, they, they have you know a nice turnaround uh, from last year, even this year, uh, moving forward. I can see Weatherford going to Blanchard, and maybe you know if they could take the physicality to Blanchard, because I think that's something else. The way that four A two plays is a lot of finesse. So if Weatherford can punch him in the mouth early and keep punching him and putting him in the ropes and, and and not let up, I could see Weatherford winning that game. Obviously, I could see Clinton winning that game. If that's a tornado bowl, a traditionally a hard place to win at, and and you know Clinton has turned it around too. And, and everybody knows how tough they can be. Just ask Tuttle last year. So I don't think I, if you're picking everybody in four A two just to automatically advance or maybe three out of four to advance just because they are quote-unquote the most competitive district or were this year, I would pump the brakes on that one and really break it down and look at the matchups. Yeah, and it, 4A2 is 4-0 against 4A1, and none of those wins were against a team that's in the playoffs. Um, John Marshall uh, was one of those losses, Woodward twice in, in cash. So – you could throw that out there, but what, I don't know how much that matters at this point because none of those teams that were played are playing anymore. So, yeah. you know, that's, it, it's all about the top of the district now. The, who's, you, that, this four against that four, and we'll see. But uh, physicality would be a thing that if you're, if you're on the 4A1 side of this argument, that's, I think, where you hang your hat on is can, you, can, can those teams stand up to, to the physicality that uh, – that Elk City Clinton, uh, you know, Weatherford that night was really physical on defense against the Elks. Yeah. Did as good a job, you know. So that's that is where uh, I think if you're on the if you're looking for the the silver lining in the cloud uh, for 4A1, it's you have to hang your hat on being more physical than those other teams, and we'll see how that plays out. But I think that's how the uh, that, that the road map to those wins is pretty obvious. Yeah. If you're coming from the from the 4A1 side of things. Downing, someone, just real quick, I'm sorry, before we move out of 4A, someone asked me yesterday, well, how come the number one team in, in the state and the number two team in the state are on the same side? I said, well, that's just because that's how the districts are seated. Uh, those are predetermined a long time ago. It just so happened that one and two are going to be on the same side. Of course, one being Cushing and Oak City, Oak City being number two. And you hate to see that. You'd like the two best teams to be on opposite sides of the bracket and, and meet up. And you know it just begs the you know just brings up the argument or should it should there be a more a different way of seeding these teams to avoid that? But the problem is there's no official ranking right. system like there is in say basketball, right? And so you just you just have to uh, go with how you finish in district. Um, yeah, it's, just a, it's just unfortunate that one and two um, hopefully will meet up in the semifinals and 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 then a lot of people could say, well, whoever wins this game is probably going to win it all. Yeah, folks thought that last year too. Uh, That's when, true. When Poto and 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 uh, Tuttle. Tuttle met, turns out that wasn't the case. Uh, the other one might have been the state championship game uh, over there at Weatherford. In Class A, the playoffs are set as well. There's a bunch of teams uh, from not only District One that the local teams played in, but also uh, other teams from around the area. So you got Fairview and Snyder. Uh, Fairview has been an absolute juggernaut so far this year in Class A. They've got to be considered one of the two or three favorites. To be a uh, to be a state champ, 
Burns Flat, unfortunately, those, those two losses put them on the road. They will go to Walters uh, at 7 o'clock on Friday, so the Eagles uh, kind of righted the ship a little bit with the beating of Sayre on Friday. Uh, but uh, the, the competition, obviously, will be a lot tougher uh, uh, down there at Walters. You've also got Moreland hosting Mangum. Uh, that's a first-round game in Class A. Uh, Boone Apache and Hooker uh, is another game that's uh, kind of a little bit local, at least to the district, and then also sort of around in the area. The one that just jumps out at me, Jared, in the Class A bracket, similar to what the names Ada and Wagner are in 4A, mm-hmm. Ringling. Yep. And Cashin is a first-round game in this year's Class A playoffs. Yeah. Yeah, they've played how many? Gosh, three in a row in the state title game. Yeah, maybe? so and Cashin's down this year. Still make the playoffs, though, and, and then there's Ringling. Um, yeah, they're good, too. That That's an interesting one. That's an interesting one. Then in Class B, whoops, I clicked on the wrong. Oh, no, there it is. Class B, um, interesting result down, in, down at Hollis. So the Tigers – uh, are able to get the win over Turpin on Friday night, which vaulted Hollis. Think about what they did the last two weeks. Beating Shattuck and beating Turpin, they went from not even making the playoffs to finishing second and hosting the first-round game uh, against Cherokee down there in Hollis on Friday night. So the Hollis Tigers end up second in Class B's District 1 with the win over Turpin on Friday night. They'll play Cherokee. Uh, the, the other finishers, and, and you know what else that does? That gets them out. Of, that gets them away. Not finishing fourth, got them away from Oklahoma Bible, who is now the consensus number one in Class B. That uh, Balco Forgan's going to have to go there. Uh, Laverne ends up that district champ. They'll play Pond Creek Hunter in the first round, and then the last game between those teams, Ringwood will host Turpin uh, in Class B. Also, Sealing be a possible second round opponent for Hollis. Sealing's uh, a team that's been in the top five all year long. Be a fun one. Yeah, that could be a that could be a really good one. So that's a little bit of the class B. Anything else that you when you look at class B and the bracket that just kinda go, whoa. Oh well maybe not a lot of the first round stuff. Um I mean Cherokee's no no slouch, so Hollis better be ready for them. Um but the potential of hauling and sealing in the second round and then staying with potential second round matchups, Laverne and Covington Douglas could be a lot of fun too, uh, on the other side of the bracket. Just a couple that stand out to me. Yeah, Oklahoma Bible, Balco Forgan. Uh, you got with Balco Forgan, a team that played for the title last year uh, and were knocked off by Laverne versus what people think is the best team in Class B, at least going into the playoffs right now. I think that's an interesting uh, matchup as well there uh, in the first round of the playoffs. So it's going to be a lot of fun. We'll keep on talking about it throughout the week. And as I mentioned, uh, Mark Rogers will be on with us to talk high school football playoffs. I, I haven't actually looked at the – the, the uh, 5A bracket yet. I was kind of saving that in my mind uh, because I think that when you look at 5A, that is going to be a lot of fun mm-hmm. starting in the first week. So, all right, we'll take yeah. a break. We'll come back, hit a little bit of the college football results from over the weekend. And, of course, Jim Draper coming up at 930. We're hanging out at Sayre National, uh, Sayre Golf Course uh, here in Sayre. Come on by. It's beautiful this morning. Play a little bit of golf. And then also you can kind of come out tonight and watch uh, the uh, Monday night football game inside the bar here at the sports bar at Sayre Golf Course. Coming back next on Skinny on Sports. You know the only thing better than watching the game? It's watching the game with your friends. It's game night, so you head to your favorite spot. The game's on all the huge TVs. Several people you know are already there, and they've come for the same reason. It's game night, and the game's on all the huge TVs in the room. A lot of the men are there with their wives. Everyone's having a great time, eating, drinking, laughing. 
and of course yelling at the refs. The bartender's great too. She seems to know what the regulars want before they even order. Maybe we shouldn't tell anybody about this little jewel in Sayre so it doesn't get too crowded. It'll be our little secret. Ah, why not? Let's risk it. It's the sports bar at what's technically known as the Sayre Golf Course. The locals call it Sayre National. It's in the park on the south side of town, so don't watch the game at home alone tonight. Go where there's food, drinks, and huge TVs. The game's a lot more fun if you'll watch it with friends. The Skinny on Sports. Welcome back. Skinny on Sports, 98.1 FM, the Sports Animal. We are hanging out at the Sayre Golf Course here on a beautiful Monday morning. Come out and get a nine holes in, 18 holes in. Mentioned that uh, special with the hot dog, drink, uh, a non-alcoholic drink. And chips for five bucks. You play golf, or if if you got if you're busy today, actually you know working, having a job. Later on tonight, Monday night football might be a good one. Baltimore and New Orleans could be a really interesting matchup. Come on out, watch the huge TVs. We're looking right at one of them. I mean Rex Ryan, we can almost see up his nose, see his nose hairs. <laughs> it's so clear out here uh, at the Sarah Golf Course, just south of town in the park. Uh, come on out and and hang out here at Sayre. See what it's all about and become kind of plugged in. The next thing you know, you'll be out here all the time. All right, Jared, college football weekend wasn't very nice to the in-state schools. Oklahoma, uh, for the first first time all year, Dylan Gabriel had trouble taking care of the football. Three interceptions, the Sooners lose by a field goal, 38-35 to at home to Baylor. We talked about it on Friday, the the thing that concerns, concerns you the most and concerned me the most about this matchup with Baylor was Oklahoma's defensive line against that Baylor O-line, and it did not go well for the Sooners as Baylor almost racked up 300 yards rushing against that Oklahoma defense that clearly isn't as fixed as what people wanted to believe after beating Iowa State on the road. Yeah, the, the run defense, I think, was uh, from what I saw. I didn't get to watch it. I was doing other things. I was following it, and um, – Got home and my wife said, you want to watch OU games? I said, not at all. (laughs) (laughs) I was able to listen to basically the last half of the fourth quarter on the way home and and they had their opportunities, but just couldn't get it done. And and it's the defense that's got to be fixed. Um, I'll go back to the Iowa State game. I know Iowa State's offense is just horrendous, but that's, I think, the formula that OU wants to get to. Uh, Baylor clearly better than Iowa State and and, uh, a lot more, uh, you know, able to move the football on the ground and that's where it's got to start start you got to stop the ground game you have to and I'm just trying to be patient with it I've had you know a couple guys talk me off the ledge (laughs) yesterday and Saturday but um you know saying everything's gonna be fine it's just that's this is a process but um as far as the immediate is concerned right now I mean this season's it's it's a it's a failure and um the defense is uh, its a joke. It's an absolute joke how they played. I mean, the, the assignments on how to stop the, the run was ridiculously wrong from, I mean the, from the clips I saw. There was a couple of clips where two linebackers fill in the same hole and, and different things like that, which, which just absolutely cannot happen if you're going to be successful on any level of trying to stop the run on defense. 48 carries, 281, uh, almost six yards a carry at 5.9. And here's what the – if you want to use the word embarrassing, here's what's embarrassing about it. Baylor had zero fear of that Oklahoma defense going for it 
like they did fourth and one at their own 29. Right. And I thought that was the game. That encapsulated the game. The Sooners punted on fourth and four from the 46, tried to pin Baylor back, weren't able to do it. It was close. Mims almost made an unbelievable play to, to pin Baylor at the one. But is anybody really thinking they're stopping them, even if it's at the one instead of no. the 20? No. Uh, Baylor had zero fear of Oklahoma's defense. When, you want, when it's a three-point game midway through the fourth quarter and you're going for a fourth and one at your own 29, you have zero respect for what's going on yep. on the other side. Yeah. And guess what? Dave and Randy was 100% right. Baylor gets the win, 38-35. So the Sooners, 5-4, and four, still one game away from bowl eligibility. Up in up at Kansas. Real quick, let's not forget, though, I know the, as bad the defense was. I know the offense had its flashes, but you turn the ball over that many times, you, you're not putting yourself in a good position. If he protects the football, this might be a different outcome. Yeah, you, but, lose, you but, lose the turnover battle by two. And you give up 281 yards rushing, you're not winning a game. No, you're not. You, it's, it's amazing. And what's crazy that they is that there. they had the opportunity to win, <laughs> you know, losing by three, you know, twice down by double digits, or more than twice, I think, down by double digits. And they were able to come back and try to get those stops, but they couldn't get. But I, you know, it, it's not uh, the defense was so bad, it almost overshadows the fact that Gabriel threw the three, three picks. picks. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, up in, up in uh, Lawrence, Oklahoma State. Uh, started Garrett, Garrett Rangel, the true freshman quarterback. He did some okay things once he settled down, but the problem was just right off the bat, it two picks, Kansas. Uh, Devin Neal was unstoppable for that Oklahoma State defense. 46 carries, 351 as a team. Neal himself carried it 32 times for 224 yards and a touchdown. Jason Bean, the quarterback, I think had the longest run of a, in the history of Kansas football from the quarterback spot for a touchdown. And, of course, Spencer Sanders didn't play. And here's what I think you're seeing at both of these schools. Last year was last year's Oklahoma, defense, Oklahoma State defense was such an anomaly because for the past decade, the, the, the big reason that these two teams have been as good as they've been is because they've, they've had such great quarterback play that has masked these defensive deficiencies as far as the, the win-loss record. Everybody's known that the defenses haven't been good, but the quarterback play and the offenses have been so good, it masked those problems. Now you're seeing of Oklahoma State not having Sanders or even at least, at least less healthy Sanders that quarterback play is, is you know, B to B plus instead of A plus like it's been. Obviously, Gabriel isn't near the standard that has been set before him starting all the way back with, heck, Josh Heupel or what have you. But especially over the last 10 years, when you look at what Mayfield, what Murray, what Hurts, uh, and Caleb Williams or, or even Rattler for the one year he played well, you're seeing how, how much that mask the real problems and the deficiencies that were on the defensive end for both for both teams. I think it didn't – I mean, if you're a follower of both teams, you knew the problems. You're probably, if you're like me, more of a denier. <laughs> yeah. You know, this will get fixed. It'll be fine. The offense will carry us, and the defense will eventually get fixed. It hasn't got, the defense hasn't been fixed yet. I think if you're over at OSU, you're hoping that, okay, last year defense was awesome, uh, and maybe now it's – more or less fixed moving forward as a program, setting the standard of that's how you play defense. Yeah, you're not going to be as good as what it was last year, but you're still going to be decent enough to uh, slow teams down and do what you need to do, make key stops, stuff like that. And, and um, Which, I mean, that bar was set so high by that defense last year, it's going to be hard to ever meet. 
but you would have thought maybe they – and I think maybe I was kind of leaning on that too. Well, sure, no Sanders, but I think if the defense can just slow down Kansas a little bit, then the offense with whoever's taking the snaps can maybe uh, do something. Then I leaned on, you know, what Mike Gundy has done in the past where he's bounced back well after losses, especially after embarrassing losses. And um, But it – and I was talking to an OSU fan, uh, a friend of mine, um, Saturday, and – you know, as that game was happening too, and I said, does that just show you how good Sanders is when he's 100% healthy, how good that team is because of that guy? That just shows you how good he is. He's the MVP of that team. And if you're looking for a glass half full scenario, maybe this gives uh, Sanders think, pause to think, you know what, maybe I need to give this one more year. He has another year of eligibility. I mean, if we're looking at the silver lining of things, right? Mm-hmm. So... There's that, but in the immediate, it's it uh, it sucks right now to be yeah. a no you know what you fan. It's yeah. not fun. It's not looking good uh, for either one of the state schools. And of course, the <laughs> memes started flying about uh, the the game time for Bedlam at 9 a.m. on PBS or ESPN Ocho ESPN after Ocho. basket weaving championship. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's uh, fortunately if you're OU, no one watched it because it was on ESPN Plus. <laughs> Nobody saw that unless you're OU or Baylor fans. Oh, anywho. All right, let's, let's get out of here. When we come back, we'll have Jim Traber coming up, uh, get his thoughts on the state school's uh, performances on the football field. Also around the country, uh, maybe not surprised that Georgia won, but, boy, were they dominant. And now is, uh, is Alabama really out of the playoff? A great game down in Baton Rouge. Skinny on Sports coming back from the Sarah Golf Course with Jim Traber next right here on 98.1 FM, the sports animal. Christmas parties can be so much fun if you have them at the right place. Where's your company Christmas party this year? Or your family Christmas party for that matter? It ought to be at the same place where folks have been having birthday parties, weddings, baby showers, even Thanksgiving dinner at the Banquet Room at the Sayre Golf Course. It's a really nice facility and it's reasonably priced. If you need a nice place for a nice event, use the Sayre Golf Course Banquet Room. Now to the actual golf part of the Sayre Golf Course. There's still time to get 9 or 18 holes in. The question is, can you actually find the fairway? Swinging away and just hoping for the best leads to triple-digit scores. If you want to test your ability to make golf shots, come over to Sayre. The layout of this course requires precision. Do you have that club, that secret weapon in your bag it's technically called the sayer golf course locals just call it sayer national it's in the city park on the south side of town the skinny on sports it's in the hole. welcome back skinny on sports live here at the sayer golf course hanging out uh just south of town there's some golfers out there already it's a beautiful morning get on out here the fall colors on the trees better enjoy those leaves for the middle of this week because i'm afraid by the time we get back here next monday those all might be on the ground and kind of crunching underneath your feet as you, you walk. You already can't see my lawn <laughs> at my house it's getting close so covered. get on out of here play golf while you can uh, and then of course next weekend enjoy the uh, the inside part of uh, things out here at sarah golf course when the temperatures turn cold but the uh, football will be fun to watch or Maybe not fun to watch as we welcome in our guest, uh, the guy you'll hear right here on these airwaves at 2 o'clock, the ultimate Jim Traver. Jim, how are you this morning? Hello. Can you hear me? Oh, yeah, got there you, you are. You there, there you are. All right. How are you I this morning? It's going to snow out there next weekend. It snowed in the Texas Panhandle this weekend. Mm. I, I know there was a, a team, a little uh, peewee football that went out to Perryton on Saturday morning, and they played on a snow-covered field. 
um, there on, nice. on Saturday morning. I hope not. You want to know my? You want to know my story? You want to know my story about snow football? Listen to this. So my senior year in high school, we go up north to play this team we've never played before, uh, at a conference game, and they're pretty good. And we get up there, and it's a great game. We're like ranked number four in the state, and they're ranked like number eight in the state. And it starts snowing, and I mean, it's snowing so hard that my offensive coordinator, who is sitting in scaffolding, that's that's what we used to do back then. He would bring scaffolding to put by the field, and he would climb up there, and that's where he would call the offense from. Well, he couldn't see the field, okay? So they said, you're going to call the plays, okay? So I called 11 plays, and nine of them were passes in the snow. And, uh, and the running backs were really mad at me, but you know what? In those 11 plays, we scored two touchdowns. Went downfield, boom, 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 boom. Everybody was like in the snow. It was a beautiful thing. So I was really, really happy that I got to call some plays. But I sure as heck, when I'm calling my own plays, I wasn't going to hand the ball off. You can mark that down. <laughs> so, yeah, it would be defeating the purpose of being able to call the play if you just turned around and handed it off. That's exactly right, man. you got to go light the team up. We ended up beating them, too. It was very nice, very it, nice. It didn't inspire you to become a coach and an, an, an offensive coordinator? You know, what's, you know what's really interesting, fellas, and, and my wife has told me this for years, I think that I would be a pretty good coach, probably better in baseball, you know, because I played higher at a level. But it's a hard life, guys. I mean, it's a hard life. You know, I had some when – I, when I got done playing baseball, there were a couple organizations that talked to my agent, you know, would like to coach. But, you know, I was going to have to go to A-ball. Mm-hmm. I don't want to go and start taking, you know, 10-hour bus rides again. I don't need, I want to do that. So you got to really want to work yourself from the bottom up. And I think you guys have realized getting to know me for a while, I'm pretty daggone lazy. <laughs> so I don't know if I want to go running up and down the daggone uh, Bush leagues uh, for a while, just in a chance to get to the, you know, get to the big league. And by the way, I think I, you know me, I'm cocky. I think I probably would have as far as football is concerned. My number one thing, man, was I love the diagram plays, love to, you know, see the, why things work and everything. So I would have loved to have been an offensive coordinator, run some offense. The problem was my head coach would be going, how about you establish the run a little bit? <laughs> last night during the Rams game in Tampa Bay, that last play, the, the game-winning touchdown, we were watching at a friend's house, and I said, watch, underneath flats, watch, over here near side. And then it happened, and I just walked out with my hands up because I called the play. My wife said, so, so, you going to quit radio now and be a coach? I said, oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> yeah that made me sick by the way Tampa winning that game I thought I'd let y'all know so so uh, I, I know that clock management is such a thing uh, right in the NFL let's start there and then we can get to the yeah. uh, to the poor defense that uh, the state schools play in a little bit it, it's such a major thing and, and there's you can tell when guys are good at it and guys are, are not good at it but last night after they got the stop on fourth down the Rams that is did they worry too much about the clock and just essentially give up on offense and allow Brady that one extra chance? Uh, is, is, is there a, I know there's a point in the yeah. game where you, you have to run it, but was it then? Or, you know, trust Matthew Stafford. He, he's been in the league forever. He's won you the Super Bowl a year ago. Trusting him to make the right read, the right play uh, with, with the clock in mind as well. Well, you know what? We always talk about prevent defenses. There's prevent offense yep. too, and that's exactly what they did last night. Um, 
and they got to be kicking themselves as they're flying back. You know, I mean, they listen. Tampa Bay was awful offensively, and and they are awful. And 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 I guess if Mc, if you if McVeigh was sitting in front of us, he would tell us, "Hey, listen, what they have nine points? Is that what it was going into that? I think it was nine. Was it nine? I think it was. Yeah. But anyway, um, I mean, I'm sure he said, "Hey, we're gonna we we think we can stop them. We're gonna stop them all day. But hey." Why not put it in your own guy's hands, right? That's the way I would feel about it. But, you know, guy's been around a long time, won a Super Bowl. You just make sure you let him know, hey, dude, don't give the ball to the other team. And you would hope you wouldn't have to tell him that. But if you say that, then, uh, you know, then then try to get a first down. Get a first down, the game's over. Yeah, and it feels like you know Cooper Cup on that. He was he was trying so hard to make sure he stayed in bounds that he didn't. He, he, he lost his 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 mind realizing where he was on the field. If he just kept going, he had an easy first down. But the the clock thing was so in their heads that they just kind of quit playing offense. It was so weird. And also giving Brady another chance. I know they've been bad, but the last dude you want to give another chance to is that guy. No, you're right. I mean, he knows how to take the team down the field, and then they were playing a prevent defense, mm-hmm. too. I guarantee you they weren't playing the same defense they were playing that whole game. They were aggressive. So, um, yeah, it's amazing. Super Bowl champion. Probably not even going to make the playoffs. That's it's, crazy. What's crazy to me is the Packers, what, five games in a row they've lost and losing to Detroit? What's going on in Green Bay and Aaron Rodgers? Well, I had this one right, fellas. I had this one right. By the way, we're driving home from Durant to uh, play poker here yesterday. Mm-hmm. My wife is sneezing, so I just uh, want to apologize for that. Um, Bless you. Anyway, she gets upset with me. I'm not apologizing for you, Joe. I'll apologize for them. Um, yeah, listen, I had this one right, guys. I-, I picked Minnesota to win that division. I thought the Packers were going to struggle. And if this is not a lesson, and I know people are sick and tired of me talking about this, but if this is not a lesson of – given your quarterback this much money, then I don't know what is. It's all well and good that Aaron Rodgers is making fifty million fellas. They're they're going nowhere. He he is their playoff situations are done. And he's got no receivers. They got they could use a couple other players here and there. They've had a couple of injuries as well. Uh, they're just not any good. They're not any good. So I don't I don't know what they're gonna do. Um, but, but Aaron Rodgers Congratulations! You're making fifty million dollars, and you're never going to win anything with that fifty million dollars. Yeah, and then the opposite situation of that is what's going on in Philly because uh, they've found a diamond in the rough, and they're taking advantage of it. They're they're able to make moves at the trade date, trade deadline. They're able to make moves in free agency, and they're able to do that because Jalen Hurts is making next to nothing, especially compared to all these other guys that have been established in the league. I, you would think that after what, what happened in Seattle with Russell Wilson, where that team was so good when they weren't paying him and then kind of fell apart while they were until they got him out, you'd think that that would be the blueprint of let's not do this. You've seen Brady take less. Peyton Manning took a little less throughout their times with their organizations. But now it's, it's almost like these guys have figured out, hey, I am the most important position in sports. I am the most, you know, this and that. And they're just not going to uh, allow themselves uh, to do that. Is that them? Or how much of that is also the Players Association uh, not, not allowing these guys to maybe take team-friendly deals? Yeah, I mean, you, look, the Players Association is powerful. I mean, 
well, the NFL is not as powerful as baseball is. They don't want you to take less money because obviously then that's going to set precedent with other people. But sometimes you just got to tell them, I want to win. Mm-hmm. You know, and how much money is Aaron Rodgers? You got a computer in front of you there? Yep. Jared, you got your computer in front of you? Yes. Just look up how much money uh, Aaron Rodgers has made since he's been in the NFL. I'll bet you it's, uh, my guess is somewhere between 100, 120 million. And not to mention how much has he made from all his commercials. So does he really need 50 million? Now, uh, listen, I'm a capitalist. I think you should make as much money as you can. But making 50 million and winning, they don't go hand in hand. You know what? Mahomes took less money. I mean, I know people go, what are you talking about? He took half a billion dollars, but he took less money than he probably could have gotten if he would have gone on the, you know, wait till the year when I come up and give me a contract. The thing with Jalen Hurts is going to be really interesting because he's going to get paid too. So you've got to win when you have that situation of your quarterback, you know, not making as much money. But Aaron Rodgers, did you find it out by any way, Jerry? Four four hundred ninety-five million. That's without the endorsement deals, and that's four hundred ninety-five uh, million. So he will have earned a grand total of four hundred ninety-five million throughout his football career. That's including this recent contract, and that's without okay. the endorsement so, deals. Yeah, three hundred five right. going into this year right. when that new okay. thing started. So three, right. So he's made three hundred million dollars. What is the difference if he takes twenty-five million or fifty million? I mean, come on. Sometimes greed gets in the way, but he's getting what he wants. He can sit up there, cry like a little baby about his receivers. Well, the, the reason why those receivers are like they are is because of you, Aaron. You're the one. He needs to just go into the mountains and smoke weed and do all the drugs that he likes to do and just fade away. That's what he needs to do. And I think that's what he's going to do, too, probably when he's done. That's the kind of, We've talked about the older guys. Let's look back at the younger guys that draft a year ago. Uh, with the five first-rounders all in what the top 15 picks. I think everybody uh, agreed Trevor Lawrence was the guy to take first. Then after that, I, I know you were a, um, a Trey Lance fan. Jared didn't – I don't know if he had a fan of anybody except for he didn't like Zach Wilson. Yeah. I found myself kind of leaning toward Justin Fields, but none of those guys were necessarily a, a sure thing outside of what we thought of Lawrence. How do you grade these guys so far uh, that were in that, that draft class a year ago? I still think Lawrence is going to be really good. Fields, you know, they're finally doing some things with Fields, you know. I think Will, I think Wilson is too too reckless for me. I think he does too many things. And uh, who are the – oh, yeah, Lance. I mean, I don't know, man. He had his chance, and then he got hurt. Right. So, you know, what are we going to know about him? I still really like him, um, but probably crazy. But him getting hurt probably was the best thing that could happen for the 49ers. Because, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo, everybody wants to rip on him. But all that dude, is, all he does is just win games. These young quarterbacks, you know, they, we all know they're all going higher than they should be, right? Every one of them goes higher than they should, or ninety, let's say 90% of them. So if, you, if you're probably, you know, if you're the 20th best player in the draft and you're a quarterback, you're going to go like number eight. Yeah. If you're, num- if you're the eighth best player, you're going to go number three. I mean, it's just the way it is with the quarterbacks. So um, these young guys, you know, I, I look at last year. My boy, I like I like Pickett. I mean, I know his numbers don't look great, but I think he's got a chance to be really good. But every year this year, my gosh, I saw a draft, fellas, the other day that had the first three players being quarterbacks. All right, it was you know Ohio State, Alabama, and then the Levis kid from Kentucky, mm-hmm. and they had my Steelers picking fourth, and they and they got Anderson yeah. from. Uh, <laughs> 
from Alabama. <laughs> now, can you? Can you? I mean, it, I would. I would jump on the couch and run around the room if the Steelers could get Anderson because I think he's the best player in the country. So, yeah, the quarterback thing is crazy, and I'm not convinced that these dudes are going to be that good. I mean, Stroud. Stroud took what he throw for seventy six yards. Now, I guess the wind was blowing three hundred miles an hour. So, uh, you know, I, I won't get, I won't rip him. But um, yeah, it's uh, the quarterback situation is crazy. It really is. Uh, my final NFL question: the, the trade deadline has come and gone, and I'm just going to single out your Steelers. You kind of touched on it. Do you like what they've done? Do you think they're buyers now, or or, or there's a complete rebuild? What what do you like? What the the direction that Pittsburgh's going in? I do. I mean, I, again, they got what they got to do is they got to get any. They got to get their high pick. Now, if they get Anderson, you got to take him. But they got to get some offensive line. You know, they got a young quarterback. I think Trubisky will probably come off the books. They gave him a two-year deal. I don't know what they'll do with him. But you got your young quarterback, so they got to go spend some money on some offensive linemen somehow. And um, you know, I, I like trading Claypool. You know, Pickens Pickens is going to be a superstar. But then I don't know if you guys remember, but that Austin kid. There was an Austin, Austin kid who, in preseason, looked great too. And then he got hurt. He's out for the year. So I think they believe they're really good. And they draft – I mean, they're the best wide receiving uh, drafting uh, organization of all time. So I think getting rid of Claypool to pick up another pick is a really good move. So, you know, we'll see. But they got to get – they got to get a couple – there's been a couple of the dudes that have played well this year on the offensive line and then a couple of them that have stunk it up. So they got to get a couple more. And then Pickett gets a little older. I think they'll be – I think they'll be better. I really do. But – um they're getting a little bit older on the defense too. I've been Cameron Cameron Hayward's been around for a long time, but they got to get T.J. Watt back and stuff. But uh, I think I think they're going in the right direction. Two schools that are not going in the right direction uh, reside right here in this state. Over 630 yards rushing allowed between the two of them on about. Uh, 95 carries. Oklahoma and Oklahoma State both lose. Sooners 38-35. Uh, Oklahoma State up at Kansas 37 to 16. We were talking earlier, and I think, Jim, last year's Oklahoma State defense was just a flat-out anomaly. Everything came together in, in this perfect way with COVID, with old guys, with Jim Knowles. Everything was just such in concert with each other that, it, that they had this defense that we haven't seen around here since the 80s, maybe, on either side of the ball or on either side of the state. The quarterback play has masked so many issues at both of those schools because it's been so good for the past decade. But now with Sanders out, with Gabriel not up to that standard, I think we're finally seeing what we all knew. It's just leading to uh, really affecting the win-loss record, and that is defense is optional or not even thought of all that much at either Oklahoma and Oklahoma State uh, these last 10 years or so. Yeah, I think. I mean, I think everything you say is right. Um, I don't make you guys have been – you've heard me, if you've listened to me for a long time, I don't make excuses. But, but OSU, I don't know if I've seen a team more beat up than them. And then when you're watching that game, like every play, there's another OSU dude right. laying on the ground. I don't know what's going on. But you got to try to figure out, wait, see, this is where bad recruiting, you know, on paper, bad recruiting. Mm-hmm. This is where it hurts you with the depth. You know, you can find dudes that are three stars and some four stars that can really play. But if they get hurt, then what are you putting in there, you know? And I think we're seeing a little bit of that right now. Heck, that Anderson kid, I didn't know who he was. Guy who had a couple uh, – you ever heard of him? No. I never even heard of the guy. And he's making plays. But I will tell you this, guys, a couple things. 
I thought Rangel looked good. I really did. I, I really liked him. And he made some interceptions. I, look, interceptions to me, unless you're just making horrific reads and you're just throwing it right in people's guts, um, they don't bother me as much as some other things. But I, I, I think that kid's good. I liked him. I thought he had some good arm strength. I thought he ran the ball fairly decently. But I got to tell you, how the heck was Gundy uh, second team? I mean, what what were they doing up there? Why was Gunnar Gundy second team? And I don't know because I came down to Durant to play poker, so I didn't really see all the things that Mike Gundy said after the game. I mm-hmm. hope somebody asked him that. Did somebody ask him that, Kenny? Uh, yes, he, he talked about – I think part of it was red shirt, uh, trying to keep Rangel's red shirt uh, available. But then when it became obvious that this may be a multi-week deal and before last week, they still had a chance to actually be in that Big 12 title game. Things were going to have to shake out right. And so I think he said that they graded both those guys throughout the week, every single thing they did. Uh, like a little bit of a, a, a mini one-week quarterback competition in the Garrett right. Ringel came out ahead. Uh, so I, I think it's a combination of uh, not being sure how long Sanders was going to be out um, and trying to kind of you know limp along with, with Gunner through the game before. But I think when it became obvious this this may be a couple of weeks and they still had only played him in one, I think they felt like, hey, let's get a competition. Let's find out who's the better one for this week. We'll do it. And then if we can keep winning, hey, who knows? Uh, that red shirt doesn't matter if we're in the Big yeah. 12 title game. That that sounds all well and good. I think it's a bunch of junk, personally. I think that Rangel is definitely better. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they knew that. Uh, my my problem is red shirt. And, I mean, come on, man. I mean, what, is it due to three-year guy and out? I mean, you know, you, you, you can't worry about that kind of stuff. He needed to play earlier in the season when, uh, you know, when Sanders went out of the game. Instead, they got Gunner Gunny in there. For what reason? I mean, there's a bunch of things happening here. First of all, I give it up to Mike Gundy. I do. I mean, that's a hard – can you imagine when he called his son in the office and said, listen, dude, I love you so much, but, uh, you're, we're, you know, we're not going to start you. Mm-hmm. That is uh, – that's hard to say. I had somebody text me a, a message and say, uh, I bet you uh, Mike Gundy's sleeping on the couch tonight. Because yeah. <laughs> you know, Mama wasn't very happy about it. Um, but yeah, I don't understand what I don't understand that whole thing. This red shirt thing is ridiculous to me. Um, you're bringing in another quarterback that people say is a good player. So um, you know what I mean? Is it, I don't understand that. I, I think that's a mistake. If you have a second team quarterback, you have to play him as much as you possibly can. If things come up, you know, it's that simple. Um, so, I don't know. I, I thought I'll give it up to Mike Gundy for uh, making the move. I do think that the Rangel kid has a chance to be a pretty good player. Um, but I don't like the way he handled the whole thing. I really don't. But that's what I talk about. You don't want your son playing for you, fellas. You don't want it. Not any good. You don't want it. Nothing good about it. And um, as far as OU's concerned, guys, I mean, their, their defense is just an embarrassment. Man. OSU's is an embarrassment, too. But OU's defense is embarrassing. And when the quarterback, you know, again, two of his three interceptions were not his fault. I mean, you know, you get the ball knocked in the air. You know, that's the way life is. Somebody comes down with it. The third interception was terrible. They tried to throw. But, fellas, you it's so easy to blame the quarterback, right? Everybody, when you post-game show, oh, listen, they scored 35 points. Yeah. If you score 35 points, you should win. Okay, 
there's no other way to put it. You scored 35 points, you should win. So um, I don't know what they're going to do. They got a lot of work to do. If I was them, I'd be playing any, any young kid I have on defense, I'd be playing him right now. And if he's not any good, then let him go in the portal. We'll bring in better players. I tell you what, both schools have got to hit the portal. The portal, both of them have got to hit the portal hard. And, uh, I, you know, I, I would, I would suspect that they would. Yeah, that's going to have to get some of uh, uh, Venable's guys and Gundy's guys in there to um, uh, shore up those defensive efficiencies. I was really disappointed with that run defense. Um, can't I mean there's uh, Simon issues and and giving up uh, what five point something five point nine a carry five point nine a carry and and Aaron said it best I'm, I want to take your thunder Aaron I'll give you t- full credit but when they went forward on fourth and one on their what 29, 30, yeah, so 29 that kind of summed up the entire ball game they they had no respect for OU's defense no you're right I mean for, well I will tell you this Texas Tech is number one in the country for going in on fourth down and Baylor's number two now Texas Tech. I'd like to strangle that dude, man. I mean, he did some stupid things in that game. That was my CW Fire lock of the week. I went 4-1 and one this week, and that was my only loss. So, you know, I don't know what he's doing. He goes for it too much. I think these guys, analytics and stuff like that, you got to know what's going on in the game at the time. Um, but, yeah, Aranda, defensive guys, like, let's go. Let's go do it. So, and by the way, oh, you had that fourth and four. Why didn't they go for it? To me, that was right? the whole fourth and four. What was it on the forty-five yard line? Yeah, that was that was like the that. whole game. It's fourth and four on the forty-six. OU elects to punt. Turk uh, punts it into the end zone. Then on the very next drive, on on fourth and one from the twenty-nine, Baylor goes for it, gets it, and goes scores and made it made it a ten-point game again. Uh, I get OU yeah, scored right. another that, touchdown. That the was the game. That was that, the difference in the game. That that period of time was definitely the ball game. I totally agree with you. It, it's just. You know, you can't. You don't. You shouldn't take stupid chances. Here's the other thing: when your defense isn't any good, you don't try to punt and pin people deep. No. It doesn't matter. You can go. You know what? There are some offenses right now in this league. I think that you could. They could. They could drive 200 yards against OU. I mean, put them. Put two football fields together. Put them on the one yard line. They could drive 200 yards. So who cares if you pin them deep? And then yeah, they get a 26 yard. Uh, a difference when they mm-hmm. get the ball on the 20-yard line. Uh, it just I, That didn't make a lot of sense to me. And the game was – what was the score there, Skinny? It was a three-point game. It was yeah, thir- uh, 31-28. to 28. It was 31-28 because Baylor marched at 80 yards, made it 38-28, to 28, and then OU scored again. And, of course, they didn't stop them on the last time either. Uh, but, yeah, it was 31-28, fourth and four at the Baylor 46, uh, and it was punted you, into the – You attack. have to – guys, you have to adjust – to the other side of the ball of your team. If your offense isn't any good, then on defensively, you've got, you've got to try to do some different things. Force them, you know, maybe, you know, um, rush the passer a little bit more, whatever. And if your defense isn't any good, then you got to maybe take more chances on offense. And that's the one thing I think Brent Venables needs to realize. Brent Venables is used to, have a, used to having a great defense. Right. Well, guess what? They're not any good. They're not any good. No, and you, you had the ball. I mean, outside of the, I mean, not outside of the three picks sounds kind of silly to say, but outside of that, I mean, Baylor wasn't stopping Oklahoma as much as Oklahoma was stopping Oklahoma throughout the game on offense. How do you not? Uh, it's obvious which side of the ball is better. It's, you you got to make a better choice than that uh, when you have a, a chance to really affect the game, and, and Oklahoma didn't. Yeah. 
Let's go around the country. By the way, go by ahead, the way Georgia, Georgia's pretty good. That's huh? where I was going to say, around the country. <laughs> uh, a lot of people like Tennessee's chances. Uh, Georgia just demolished them in that first half and then just kind of kept them at arm's length, 27-13. And then, of course, can I, can I say this and feel comfortable, Jim? Can I actually say right now, on November the 7th, that Alabama won't be in this year's playoff? How confident yeah, should not, I be saying yeah. that? They're not getting there. I mean – I mean, LSU, I mean, unless LSU loses, I mean, LSU's going to go to the championship game. Right. You know, so, now they could lose. I'll tell you what, man. I know nobody likes Brian Kelly, but he's a heck of a coach. I'm sorry. I mean, he is a jerk, and the way he's treated his players as far as when he's left schools to go to other ones has just been horrible. I I don't know how he does it, but that dude is a big-time coach. And, um uh, LSU with a really, really good coach, if they get some quarterback play like they are right now, mm-hmm. guys, they put people in the NFL like crazy. I bet you I bet you if you went back and looked at the last five years, I'll bet you LSU has put more players in the NFL than the entire Big 12 combined. I, I'm, I'm, it, it's at least close. And then Georgia, they lose five dudes in the draft. Then they lose last week their best player, who is going to be a first-round pick, I mean, did anybody notice? Anybody see anything? They just run dudes out there one after another. Did you see that true freshman kid who was playing on the outside for LSU? What was his name Perkins? Yeah, I think so. I think yeah, Harold dude, Perkins, isn't it? He, Harold Perkins. True, true freshman. <laughs> he looked like a thirty-year-old man. You know, where are those dudes? Why can't OU get those guys? I don't understand it. And then maybe OU does get them, but they don't make them better. I don't know the answer. Because OU's getting really good kids in, in the in the uh, in the recruiting classes, so yeah, boy, there are some players. Man, those dudes have got some players. I don't know how anybody's going to beat Georgia. I mean, Oregon's rolling along, and they beat them forty-nine to three. So uh, I think this is everybody's playing for second place. But you never know on any given Saturday, right? Yeah, for Brian Kelly specifically, what a, that dude went from looking like a joke in the offseason trying to get his voice to sound like a Cajun and all that kind of stuff. Oh, I know. He won everybody in the state of Louisiana over by going for it. He had the perfect opportunity to go for two and win that game against Alabama and Saban, and he took it. I think think people would love him for doing it, but now that he got it and got that win, that guy just turned that whole thing completely around, and now everybody's on his side moving forward. What a gutsy move, man. I mean, a gutsy move. I don't know if I'd have done it. Um, you know, the, the rule is when you're at home, you're not supposed to. Right. But he went for it and uh, throw, it to the, throw it to the Taylor kid, uh, who's, who is just an incredible stud, Jason Taylor's son. Um, yeah, that was – I'm telling you, that's the best game of the year, fellas. That was the best game of the year. I mean, I, I wanted Alabama to win. I'm not like all you all around here that hate Alabama. I don't hate Alabama. And, and frankly – I don't really like LSU very much. What do you, what do you psycho OU fan? Who do you cheer for, Alabama or LSU? No, I res- you hate both of them. Me personally, Alabama I, I me. respect Alabama. <laughs> I can't stand LSU. I don't know anybody that was down uh, in 2003 at that national title game uh, that has anything remotely <laughs> positive to say about LSU and the fans. I know. They're, they're, those Cajuns are crazy. Man. Whereas I mean, crazy. people loved the Alabama thing. Of course, it was also, oh, you won both games and it was before yeah, Alabama, Alabama had Nick Saban. Bit, so yeah. maybe those feelings would be a little bit different now than they were back in the at the first part of the 2000s. 
All right, Jim, what do you got? Well, uh, guess, what do you... What? guess what? Hey, by the way, guess what? Before I go, that's what OU's getting ready to play. That's get right. ready. LSU, Georgia, Alabama, Mississippi. Yeah. I, mean, it's, I mean, it is going to be a gauntlet. And, uh, about to hate all of them now. Bring in some better players. <laughs> Forget respect. You're know, about to hate them all. Yeah, it's going to be fun. Yeah. It, it, okay. It'll be fun. It'll be fun that first time when everybody comes through. I guess in Norman, it won't be as much fun the second time if Oklahoma's just getting their head kicked in, uh, like some people think that might happen. Um, what do you got? Get better players. Better players. What do you got coming up today? Uh, not only on the show, but also on the podcast. Oh, uh, we did a really cool podcast. Uh, it was uh, I can't remember what it was. Should- it was about dating, guys. You know, I got to tell you all something. I know both of you guys are married. I met your beautiful wives. Let me tell you all something. One of the most important things for marriage is you got to have date nights, dudes. You got to have date nights. You got to get out by yourself. You got to be able to go and have fun together. And that's what this is all about. We got some data from different things, but we also talk about our life. And by the way, I know with little kids, blah, 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 it's really, really hard, but but you, we, we give you some great ideas on how to uh, have date nights for not a lot of money. And if you're, you're really banged up with a bunch of children and stuff, uh, it's, a, it's a good one. I think you guys will like it. All right, man. Thanks so much for joining us. You guys be safe going home. And, and we'll, uh, we'll talk to you on uh, next Monday. All right, fellas. Thanks. All right, thank you very much. Tell Julie we said hi as well. <laughs> all right i don't know if we got that part in or not all right uh man that'll do it what a good day yeah. right here from the sarah golf course we got the did you hit the button i'm sorry that's okay i was gonna update uh look update guess what the, i just stopped the button so oh, let's, there you go. Uh, let's uh let's start let's try that again the, the western oklahoma realty college pick them oh yeah do that um let's see that name we can't say is first I do know that. We need to come up with a different name. We do need to come up with a different name. It's like Voldemort. And- <laughs> what do you say, Ako Bryans? Anyway, they're tied for first. 58 wins. That's a... Oh, man. my God. I didn't pick the... You, I, I don't think it mattered anyways. It took me a while to find your name. It didn't. T- it doesn't matter. It didn't even matter. I totally, TJ, totally slipped my mind with everything that was going on this past week. TJ's tied for third. Coach Dustin's tied for sixth. Dakota's seventh. I'm down there with Andy. Uh, in eighth, and in the Andy, Jared Broadbent, J.P. Howe, Rustified, tied for ninth. Still a chance. I mean, just four or five games away. I turned a nine and one into a six and four by changing. Uh, listening to Jim and Fat Jack talk about that TCU Tech game. Yeah. Talked me right into switching <laughs> over to Tech. Uh, there was another one uh, that I kind of can't remember which other game. Oh, uh, Michigan State. I had Michigan State thinking a bounce back spot. This is their last stand against Illinois. Yeah. And then they started suspending dudes all throughout the week. I thought they don't have anybody left playing. And they went into Illinois and beat Illinois. And beat them. I had that one around. I had that in my mind. It. Yeah. That was one of my underdogs. I, I didn't talk about it. The one I talked about happened Notre Dame beating Clemson. Had a feeling about that one. That could have been a tough one for Clemson, and it was. All right, we'll get out of here. Uh, thank you to Tyler and Robbie. Press the Western Oklahoma Realty College pick them there. Uh, we'll update those standings as we move along throughout the college football weekend. Thank you, everybody, here at the Sarah Golf Course. Beautiful. Uh, yeah. Hey, Gabe, we're going to stop here. We're, we're going to play nine before we get back. We'll see about somebody, 2 o'clock. Somebody cut the afternoon weather. This has been the Skinny on Sports, hanging out at Sarah. Thank you to Jim Traber as well on 98.1 FM, the sports And You've been listening to the Skinny on Sports podcast with Aaron Cow. Be sure to hit that subscribe button to get alerts of when the latest podcast is available. Thanks for listening. That ball is blistered to right. Way back. Goodbye. 
You know the only thing better than watching the game? It's watching the game with your friends. It's game night, so you head to your favorite spot. The game's on all the huge TVs. Several people you know are already there, and they've come for the same reason. It's game night, and the game's on all the huge TVs in the room. A lot of the men are there with their wives. Everyone's having a great time, eating, drinking, laughing, and, of course, yelling at the refs. The bartender's great, too. She seems to know what the regulars want before they even order. Maybe we shouldn't tell anybody about this little jewel in Sayre so it doesn't get too crowded. It'll be our little secret. Ah, why not? Let's risk it. It's the sports bar at what's technically known as the Sayre Golf Course. The locals call it Sayre National. It's in the park on the south side of town, so don't watch the game at home alone tonight. Go where there's food, drinks, and huge TVs. The game's a lot more fun if you'll watch it with friends.